Hello, and welcome to Eastgate Community Church. We are so glad you've joined us to listen to this message from our weekend encounter. We pray you are encouraged by what you are about to hear. All right, well, praise God. Welcome to Eastgate, where we have intercoms in our bathrooms. <laughs> we do, absolutely. That's kind of a joke. We don't. I know. <laughs> oh, going. Uh, that's kind of... Tighten that up. Um, well, praise God. Hey, would you get that whiteboard out of there? Um, uh, we're going to go on a journey this morning. Like, um, It's going to be a fun journey. And... Um, uh, just some things I've been pondering on and and, um, and praying through and I'm going to throw all this stuff up here I think it's all going to make sense um, interesting praise God everybody doing alright I, I mean I just I'll come back to that we're going to be in Judges Judges 6 this morning for the most part and move this over here just so I'm not going to be blocking this thing. I really, earlier this week, um, we were, I was in prayer and, and the Lord gave me a word. It was out of number 17. And I think this will be relevant for some of you in the room this morning. You know, I, I believe that, that, you know, we talked earlier about when we started up about that, about the fire of God. How many of you want the fire of God in your life? Come on, I mean, it's it's um, it's really we got to have it. Uh, if we don't have it, we just burn out, and we're just gonna, you know, we just become a we don't have, we're, we don't have the light of God inside of us, and we're we we're you know he's a, his word is you know it's a light, it's a lamp, it directs us into where we're going, and when the fire begins to get dim, we begin to trip over ourselves, and we begin to lose direction, <clears throat> we begin to lose focus. We, our passion burns out. Um, and I believe right now for a lot of us that have been walking with Jesus, um, that God is, is reigniting our passion. He's restoring us to our first love. Um, he's letting things die. Hello. He's letting things die. And some of us would say, well, that doesn't sound very, you know, like, like a loving God. No, listen, it is a loving God to let things die. You know, I'm, I'm reminded just walking with the Lord every day, he asks me to lay things down. And when he asks you to lay something down, you know what the best thing you can do is? Lay it down. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. And he makes me to lie down. He makes me. Sometimes when we fight God, we get a little bit of a body slam <laughs> and you know what it's just like a dad you know a dad that would that would run in front of a car for his son um, you know my son was um, my wife was at a, at a retreat this weekend and and uh, so I was home with and my mom thank God for moms right my mom drove up and, and helped me it's the first time that 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 she'd ever been gone away from away from house the house and so she came back last night and and our son was, um, you know, he was like grabbing her the whole night, grabbing her hair, and it's like making sure you're not gonna leave me, you know. And, and um, 
course, he didn't do that to me the night before. I mean, I slept fine. But, uh, but eventually sometime during the night, she got up and she went and she took him in the room um, and, and laid him down. And he fell asleep and then he woke up again and, you know, he was going nuts because he woke up in a dark room, didn't know where he was. And so my wife turns over, she grabs me and she says, oh, will you go get him? Because she was exhausted. She hadn't slept. And so I run in there, you know, because my son's crying and I know, I know, I know he's, um, he's scared, Right. And I just opened the door and the, the light wasn't on. And I just, you know, I said, I told my son, hey, come to me, come to me. And I mean, he ran to me, embraced me. And um, I just, the father, that's just who he is. He, um, you know, in our moments of despair, in our moments of weakness, uh, in our moments of not knowing what, what, what in the world is going on, what in the H-E double hockey sticks <laughs> is happening in my life? Come on, anybody ever be real? If we were all real and we were all genuine and we were all authentic, there's things happening in our life right now, and we're like, what, what, how is God in this? Well, he is. He's in it, but and he will cause all things to work together for your good. But in the process of being in it, he asks us, lay things down. I want to change the way that you think about things, and then I want to give you a new perspective. And, um, and in this moment, you know, uh, when I was in prayer the other day, the Lord brought number 17 to me. And in number 17... Um, Moses and, um, and and Aaron, they're the, the, the priest. And uh, Aaron, Moses was like, he was a forerunner, but really Moses is like a, a, an Old Testament apostle, right? He's the, uh, he's the one that got to go before the Lord. He's the one that had the face-to-face -face, uh, connection with the Lord. He's the one that the Lord gave him the law. And, he's, and he wrote it on the stone and he came and he gave the law to God's people. He was a foreshadowing of Jesus who was to come, but he was also... Um, I believe is, 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 you know, apostle is a, it's a secular term. It wasn't, wasn't uh, around at that time, so they couldn't have used it. But had it been around, I believe you can look back and you can see Moses would have been, would have been an apostle. And he goes before the Lord and he gets the, he gets the Ten Commandments and, and he, he has this call to lead people. And, he, and how many of you know sheep bite? <laughs> bah. <laughs> they bite. Um, people, Christians bite. Christians are not always full of Christ. Sometimes they are full of the devil and, and they, and they, and, you know, we all make this, we all make bad decisions. We all fall short, fall, fall short at times, but, but thank God that, um, Jesus came and, and has reckoned us dead to ourselves so that we can be alive to him. And so I'm going somewhere with this. So Moses, Moses and Aaron were chosen by God, right? Amen. And they started, people started to complain against them. They started to, to, to tell, you say, hey, hey, are you really the chosen leader of, of, of Israel? I mean, you know, we're, we're starting to think we might be a better leader than you are. Um, you know, you've got this marital issue with this woman, right? With the, with the woman that, that Moses had, uh, had been having a relationship with. And then they began to, they began to question him. And then they began to question Aaron's leadership. And before you know it, there's a rising up. Uh, and there's 12 tribes at the time. And each 12 tribe has a father of each tribe. And each of these fathers of the 12 tribes comes to, comes to and starts stirring up animosity, starts stirring up division in, within, within Israel, right? This is like 3 million people. And they're all, all controversy. All, how many of you know rumors? And, and, and when we start talking, like it happens in the media all the time. It's just all a bunch of garbage. 
people are just saying this and that, and probably 1% of it might be true. Um, but that's what was going on. And it was all an, an assault against, um, against Moses and Aaron. But really, uh, can you imagine being in Moses' place? You're responsible for leading these people. God's anointed you to do it. And then Moses says, God, I just want to die. I'm done. I don't want to lead these people anymore. Like, like they're not even listening to me. It's like, you called me into this. You told me you're going to deliver these people out of Egypt. And they've done nothing but complain. And they've done nothing but moan. They've been nothing but, they're just out of the abundance of their heart. They're confessing. Right? You guys don't know anything what I'm talking about. You've been, you've been, you've been the person complaining and, or you've been, or you've been the one that you've been complaining against. Right? We, we're, we all, none of us can get out of the boat. We're, we've all been in this boat. Some of us more than others. Um, but the, the good news is if, if it's happening, you're called to it and God's using it. But so they come, they, the, there's an there's a uprising that's coming up against Moses and Aaron. And God gets mad. He gets mad because, because he tells Moses, hey, Moses, they're not mad at you. They're mad at me. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. And. And then a, a, a wrath is released. And it wasn't so much that God sent it. We know that it came from God, but it was like the people brought it on themselves. Because of the division that they were bringing, they were sowing accusation and discord against your brother. You know, ever been in that situation, getting a fight with someone? The Lord was showing me, listen, you can be right or you're wrong. Even if you're right, and you're wrong. If your heart's not right. Right? Greater love than this. Jesus showed us what really means to speak truth and walk in love. We're all growing in that. And, um, and I love this passage in number 17. This isn't even the message, but in number 17, as the, as, the, as, the, as the plague is beginning to release within the body, and I believe we have a great plague in the body of Christ right now, a great plague of discord, a great plague of division, a great plague of accusation, a great plague of jealousy, because really it was all about jealousy. I want your position, Moses thing is his position was appointed by God right what God appoints God anoints right so it's like we don't need to I don't need to take on another position I just really need how to know how to occupy and own mine and the Lord and and oh if we can just find that and here's the truth here's here's the, the nugget of what Lord the Lord is doing right now in this hour is Moses had such great leadership he told Aaron he said Aaron go get the incense Start calling upon God. And he ran through the camp. And a bunch of people died. But a bunch of people got saved. And it said Aaron went and stood between the dead and the living. He went and stood between the dead and the living. He, he has an intercessor. He went and stood. And he said no more. Like he made atonement for the people. It was a picture of what Jesus has done. Jesus stands between the dead and the living. And he holds the line for those that are dying. And he holds the line for those that have life and those that, um, you know, that, that have received life. But that's what an intercessor does. An intercessor is in a situation and he stands in the gap and he says, forgive them for they know not what they do. Not, you're a terrible person. You have such a bad heart. You deserve punishment. And so, and Aaron is a, is a great picture. He was a priest. We know Jesus became the high priest, right? Um, and so he goes and stands between the living and the dead. And 
even though Moses and Aaron knew their position was in God, even though they knew that they were, they were chosen by God, you know what they said? This is crucial. They said, here's what we're going to do. We're all going to go get a rod. We're going to get 12 rods because there's 12 tribes, and we're going to put the rod before the presence of God. And we're going to let the Lord choose who's his. But the fact of the matter is Moses and Aaron already knew. But they were willing to lay it down and say, you know what? I trust God to approve me before you. And, and so they all put their name on that on that rod, the, the, um, either there, each one, and they put it in there. And you know whose rod budded? Aaron's did. And I was thinking about that and I was like, you know, that's interesting. Because you remember before that, Moses had to throw down his rod when he had his encounter with God. And he was tested. Just Moses didn't ask Aaron to do something that, that Moses hadn't already done. After Moses had laid it all down and after, after he laid it down, remember the Lord says, throw down your rod. Whose rod is that? Oh, it's the rod of Moses. You each and, each, each and every person in this room has a rod from God. The rod represents his power. But the truth of the matter is when you have the rod, it's anointed either by God or you. And he comes and he says, will you throw it down so it can be anointed by me and not you? He'll ask us to over and over and over again. He'll ask us to surrender. He'll ask us to lay down our ministries. He'll ask us to lay down our callings. He'll ask us to lay down things that are holding us back from us moving forward. And it's, his, it's the loving kindness of God to do it. And so Moses throws down the rod. At first he says, it's the, when God asks him, whose rod is that? It's mine. It's Moses' rod. Throws it down. What did it turn into? It turned into a snake. Now, now we know that it, it was turning into a snake because he was saying that I'm going to send you to Pharaoh and I'm going to do signs and wonders, super, supernatural things to, to prove that I am Yahweh. And he says, okay, what, who am I going to tell him sent me? He says, tell him I am sent you. What a message. But it was the Lord said, not only I'm going to be with you, I'm going to I'm going to supernaturally anoint your 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 ministry and your message. Mm -hmm. And so he throws it down and he, and, he, and, he, and then it turns into a snake and then he tells him to pick it back, pick it up. But he didn't tell him to pick it up by the head. Normally, logically, you don't pick a snake up by the tail. You pick it up by you pick it up by the head. But he says, pick it up by the tail. What's he trying to impart to Moses? Trust. Trust. Right? Throw it down. Turns it to a snake. Pick it up by its tail. I want you to trust me, Moses. And so he picks it up and we know going forward. Then he, then he tells him, then it, the, the Bible notates just a couple chapters later, it went from the rod of Moses to the rod of God. Come on. Oh, that we would get this. That God, God, what God gives us, God anoints it. But if we're not in alignment with where he's going, it's not anointed by God. And actually, we can actually deceive a lot of people that, we're, that, that we are um, anointed when we're not. And we can actually use the gift of God and deceive people. It's a crazy thing. But back to, back to Aaron and Moses. So, so Aaron does the same thing and his, his, his rod buds. And the, the Lord just began to tell me, listen, if this is a season where if you're willing to lay down and willing to give things to the Lord, it doesn't matter what it is. Let me approve of you. 
Let me justify you. Let me choose you before people. Like when people are coming against you because they say, well, you're not chosen or you're not good enough. It doesn't matter if it's in your marketplace. It doesn't matter if it's in your, if it's your friends. If you will just humble yourself, throw down your rod and say, you know what, God, you, you gave me a promise. You are faithful to finish that which you started. And you know what? You prove it again. Now, I don't know. I, I, I feel like that's for a few people in here. And that some of you may, some of you may, um, may the Lord, may Holy Spirit may speak to you about what he's asking you to lay down. But um, lay it down. It's actually a test. And um, God tests us. But he tests us so that he, so that he can know that he can entrust us with a greater measure of something. Um, Amen. So we're going to let God, we're going to let God anoint. We're going to let God choose us. We're going to let God um, show that he's choosing us before, before, before men and, um, and acknowledge that in Jesus name. All right. Well, Hey, I want to talk about Gideon this morning. I, um, I, Gideon is somebody that's near and dear to my heart. I've, um, uh, he, when I, the first message anyone ever asked me to preach, I uh, preached on Gideon. How many of you can identify with Gideon in here? Any Gideons? Yeah, only a few. Uh, Gideon's name means uh, hacker. <laughs> a hacker, like today, like computers, like going and hacking computers. That's, that's, that's the terminology for the Hebrew. It means one who, who hews down the enemy, one who cuts, uh, cuts him down. And um, I wanted to do a chronological little 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 deal up here and draw this for you guys we'll do this really quick because it's going to tie into tie into the message oh thank you jesus amen so garden to garden where we've been talking a lot about righteousness and we know that 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 we were conceived in a garden we know that Adam and Eve, um, the, the story of our creation started with Adam and Eve, and it started in a garden. And not only did, it, did, did the story of, in the book of Genesis start in a garden, it actually it ends in a garden. Yeah, I'm sorry. You guys are going to have to bear with me. I didn't, take, I didn't take this class at college, so... <laughs> Revelation. So, 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 what we're going to do is we're going to do a timeline from Genesis to Revelation. Hallelujah! I'm going to preach the the gospel from Genesis to Revelation in a matter of about a few minutes. Um, and I, and I want to I want to set a picture. This is all about God. How God, you know, his let's say his infrastructure for righteousness. Um, and I want to tie this into I want to tie this into Gideon. Um, so God manifests himself to Adam and Eve in the, in the garden. He, he walks with them. He talks with them. He's in relationship with them. Um, and that's where, that's where everything started. And then after that, then we know sin comes in. And then after sin came in, then we have, we have no, you guys remember Noah yeah. who built the ark? Who built the ark? Noah. 
Noah. Who built the ark? That's an A. That's an O and that's an A, okay? In Jesus' name. All right, so then after Noah, we have Father, Father Abraham. Had many sons. And many sons had Father Abraham, right? I'm one of them and so are you. So we have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So we go, these are, these are known as the patriarchs. If you ever go to uh, Jerusalem or Israel, um, Jews are very, um, they, they know all about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, and even if you look at Islam, um, the, the, the lineage stops here. Uh, as far as with Christianity and, and Islam because of, uh, no, it's actually, no, it's here. It's actually with uh, Isaac and Ishmael. They believe the descendants went through Ishmael. And then obviously we, um, our record of, of, of how that went forward, went through with, uh, with, with, with Isaac. And so we've got the patriarchs. And then we have, uh, we have Joseph. Then we have Moses. We know Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, but he was set up to be second in command in all of Egypt. And we know after that, um, they went into um, they went into slavery, and then hence comes Moses, right? Hence comes Moses. Grows up in the palace and finds out he's really a Jew. Uh, God calls him out to the wilderness and he gets the law. Right? Yep. Gets the law, he goes before the mountain of God and God gives him God gives him the 10 commandments, comes back and gives them to the people. He had an apprentice. Uh, and his apprentice's name was Joshua. Joshua was a conqueror, Joshua was a warrior. And Joshua sets up the timeline for the judges. Now, judges, when you, I, I used to hear this all the time, and it was like, who are the judges? Judges aren't like the judges that we have you know, um, here locally that, that make rulings. They're, they were military people. They were, they, were, they were civil leaders that God had anointed. There was actually there was 15 judges. And these were people that they were, uh, they were deliverers. And that's really what I want to focus on this morning. Uh, we'll, but we're going to come back to that. So 15 deliverers. We're going to talk about um, Gideon, which he was number, I believe he was number five. And here's where it gets cool. So, so then you have Samuel. Samuel, you guys remember Samuel? Samuel's the last judge. But Samuel was also a prophet. Some of the judges were prophets. Listen, here's what's really cool. One of them was a woman. One of them was a woman. Actually, she was a military leader. She, her name was Deborah. She was a prophet, uh, and even the men, the men followed her. Um, in Jesus' name, come on. Any ladies in the house? Holla, holla. So then we go into after the judges. Um, we Samuel was our last one. We know Samuel anointed um, a Saul to lead because why? The people wanted a king, right, to rule over them. It wasn't God's will. It wasn't God's first first choice. But so then we go into kings. And we know the story about uh, Saul. We know the story about David. This is where we get this great Davidic priest named that is uh, that 
actually is, is prophetic of Jesus. And we have the kings and also we have the prophets. Come on, we need the prophets. Amen. Amen. And this sets up that sets up for even for Solomon. And let's go ahead and just take it to Jesus. The disciples. A church. And we'll end. We're going to come back around over here. Follow me. Sons of God. So. This is a full timeline from the garden to garden, this is how God brings righteousness into the earth. This is how he's done it. Um, it, it in a very, like, if you had the Cliff Notes version, yeah. right? And let's go Mardell's. Cliff Notes version, Mardell's. This is, this is the governing body about how the Lord has administrated and how he is administrating righteousness uh, in the timeline that we're in now. And... Um, it's pretty amazing because um, he used all these people, which were imperfect people, except for except for Jesus. Um, all these people were, were, were releasing righteousness into the land. And. Um, and so even in the midst of this, there were sieges that were that were that were against Israel. There were actually four. Four sieges. Anybody know what they were? Assyria. Persia. Babylon. Anybody know what the other one was? That's not necessarily in chronological order, but anybody else? Rome. Rome. Yes. Rome was Rome was actually during Jesus's day. Rome was actually actually leading. Um, well, they were leading that nation as far as because they had, God had given given it over to them. Um, so how does this how does this all how how are we how are we going to tie all this together? Well, history says we have to learn from our mistakes, right? We we study history because we we don't want to repeat the mistakes of yesterday. If you look through from 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 beginning to end, everything boils down to one word: righteousness. Everything. There were times and seasons where where we were in right right standing with God, and then we weren't. We were in right standing with God, and we weren't. We were in right standing with God, and we weren't. And you see this constant tension of of a people that that were either with God or they were away from God. They were either in, they were either obedient or they were disobedient. Here in the garden, we have God with with man, right? Once you kicked, once we got kicked out of here, now you have God apart from man. Now over here with Jesus, praise God for this. You have God in man. You have three different, three different, you can call them dispensations. This is where we are now. But so you can see where we've, where we've come from, where we were and where we are. But listen, this is, this is where we are now. 
Um, and I just, so from that perspective, I want us to go back and I want us to look at, um, at Gideon's life. Just, just turn to Judges chapter 6. Um, we're going to have to speed through this really quick. Um, Gideon to me represents a reformer. Someone that um, Gideon was a judge. He was delivered. He was a deliverer of Israel. And you and I, uh, when we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, we become delivered. Everybody say delivered. delivered. We, what, what, is that, what does that word mean? It means that, that truth comes into your life and it sets you free. Right? The spirit of truth. Jesus is the spirit of truth. Jesus is, um, he comes from the Father and all he says is the truth. He's, a, he's an exact mo model of everything the Father says. He is God in the flesh, and <clears throat> and he is righteous, holy before the Lord. Right? He's never he never made any mistakes. He never sinned. He never missed um, he never missed anything. And so, um, I feel like I'm trying to tie so much together right now. But um, so anyway, so Gideon, Gideon, let's we're starting Judges chapter six. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites. The children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, the strongholds, which are in the mountains. So it was whenever Israel had sown Midianites, the sown, the Midianites would come up also the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number and they would enter the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. Also, I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But you have not obeyed my voice. So let's start. Let's 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 start there. This is going to be kind of one of of um, one part of reading, and then I'll I want to break this down, and we'll, we're going to go through two more sections. So what's happening here? The the is God is giving over uh, Israel to the Midianites. Did you know that God will give you to your enemy? He'll give you to your enemy to to allow you to be uh, taught righteousness. Right. And so he's just saying here, he's like a prophet from God comes to the people and said, listen, remember what the Lord did for you. He brought you out of Egypt. He used a guy named Moses that was sent for me. And do you not remember with what great power he, I came and what great uh, uh, atrocity I brought you out of? What great oppression. See, God's faithful to bring to remembrance what he's what he's done for us. And he's saying what he's bringing here is a charge against you saying, listen, guys, you've been unfaithful. You've been unfaithful. I gave you a land full of milk and honey. I gave you a land that you that that it was your responsibility to steward over. And when you stewarded over it, you were stewarding in righteousness. You're sowing righteousness into the land. See, you and I, 
walking in righteousness and right standing with God, it's more than it's it affects more than just you. It affects you. It affects your household. It affects everyone around you. It affects the land. Like ultimately, this is tied to a nation. This whole process is tied to God throughout this process raised up deliverers that would actually restore the land and would bring righteousness to the land that where the blessing could flow, that way the rivers could flow, that way it would rain, that way um, the, the people wouldn't be in lack, right? He wanted to set up godly, righteous leadership. And listen, all this is a leadership style, but, the, but, but it all came back to this. Either the people were walking righteously before the Lord or they weren't. It didn't matter um, because God's progressively... He's changing things. He's bringing more, um, more into the into the land. He's bringing more into the world. I mean, look how intentional God is. He's so intentional. He's the God of the nations, right? He raises up leaders that can steward nations, that can guide nations, that can that can have wisdom, revelation, and understanding um, to be obedient, right? To use our leadership for the right purpose, for the right cause. And, and here, they're, they're, they're not doing that. So God's coming back to them and saying, listen, um, I'm going to allow this enemy to come in. And really what the enemy is going to do, it's going to show you. It's going to show you how much substance you really have. It's going to show you. It's going to be a mirror. Like right now, and th listen, this principle still applies. Bible says sin lies at the door. It lies at the door and it wants to crouch like a tiger. Who's the door? Jesus. Jesus is the door. Sin's on the other side of the door. There's one thing separating you between you and I between sin. It's Jesus. When you open up that door to sin, guess what? You let that thing come in your house. It rules. It reigns. And listen, it has an intention to destroy you. It wants to destroy your relationship. It wants to, it wants to discredit who you are, disvalue you. It wants to shame you. It wants to put you in a pit of depression and depravity individually and on a bigger scale this is what it does to regions to nations to cities right but it all comes back to you see i want you to take this big picture and i want you to tie it back to right here right here you're responsible you're responsible in all of the restoration and god restoring the fullness of the body of christ to where we are going to be seated with him god is going to split the skies he's going to come down he's going to rule and reign and, and he's going to say, listen, I gave you all this. I gave you, I gave you all these great forerunners, all these fathers that pushed forward for righteousness. And there was a great account to them for righteousness. What have we done with it? Because right now, I can tell you in this city right now, right, unrighteousness is ruling and reigning. Right? Um, this, is not a, this is not a good story. This is a reality. The reality is... We're still fighting for righteousness, whether or not we really want to walk in righteousness, whether or not we really want to believe we are who he says we are, and whether or not we're really going to be sons of God. And we're going to take ownership and we're going to possess the things that he's given us to possess. See, in here, they were given Israel to possess it, to own it, to steward it by God. But they missed it. They became familiar. They became weary. And we're going to keep going. But in God's faithfulness, God sent a prophet. Listen, if you won't listen, guess what God will do? God will send a prophet. 
He will send a prophet. He will send a messenger to, to and even, even, even sending the prophet, he'll know you're going to reject it, but he'll still send the prophet. And, um, and so now we're going to go into, we're going to go into Gideon. Let's wait, let's wait, let's go here. Judges 21, 25 says this. In those days, they had no king and each did as they saw fit. Does that sound, does that sound like that is still relevant? We each do as we see fit, meaning that I have my own God. I make my own God, meaning that as I see fit, I do, and that's my God, and that's what I follow. And then, and then I have a friend over here named Susie Q, and she sees this fit. That's what she does. Well, that's her God. That's what she follows. Listen, we all have a God in our life. It doesn't matter if you're an atheist or not. You have a God in your life that rules and reigns and tells you what to do, and you do it, right? We're all being... We're all following something. We're all following someone. We're all going in a direction we just don't know. Like, but but in this in this culture, in this day, unrighteousness was ruling and reigning, and God said, I'm gonna have to send the enemies in so they really realize like my blessing's not with them anymore. So they'll turn to me. Because God's gracious and God's merciful. But he says, In those days they had no king, and each did as they saw fit. And in, and in Judges 2.10, it says, Generations arose after Joshua that didn't know the Lord. Listen, we have churches on every corner in this nation. Yet we have become so familiar with the gospel. And, we're in, and, and, and many of our doctrines have, have become our own justification as we see fit. Right? You see the problem. You see the, there's a dilemma. And, and the dilemma, I believe, is giving us understanding that it's, it's, it's the problem is here. The problem is, is that God has, has hidden these things in our hearts. And he's, he's called us to be a righteous people. He's called us to live holy and blameless before him. And let me show you just how committed God is to this. How committed he is not to just, not to just then, to now. He's committed to raising up a man and even a woman, Sue, Lily, Shelley, Ashley, Rachel. He's committed to raising each and every one of us up to being a deliverer. The Bible says it over and over. There were bad times, but then the people cried out. And guess what? What, what was God's response? He said, I have heard the cry of my people. I'm going to raise up a deliverer, one that's going to come, that's going to bring, bring salvation, right? Uh, one that's going to come and bring change. I like to refer to these deliverers as reformers. Listen, if you don't believe Martin Luther King was one of these, William Wilberforce ending slavery, these guys were gripped, gripped, gripped for change, gripped for that their lives were far, far greater than just being uh, mediocre, just getting by, just Letting social injustices just rule and reign and letting people go to hell, letting babies die. I mean, come on, guys. God is raising up deliverers. He's wanting to deliver you. He's wanting to, you know, in the, es in the essence, God delivers you. You know, that's your calling. If you've been an addict your entire life and God delivered you, guess where your calling is? Your calling is the Spirit of the Lord's upon you to bring and break the yokes of bondage, to break addiction. Because it's a devil. It's a demon. Amen. It keeps people entrapped, keeps people ensnared. But God's raised people up. He's raised up people in this room that have been addicted. Guess what your calling is? 
to destroy that yoke, to bring people out of bondage into light. Some of us have been in church our entire life. Guess where your bondage is? Religion. Religion. Been so religious. And then the enemy comes in and actually you find out that you have no power. You're powerless. We are. Religion is powerless. Let me tell you something. For you study the word, but yet you have no power. For you study the word for, for, for you think you have life, but yet these scriptures that testify of me, yet you're not willing to come to me. Meaning that you can know these scriptures and not have a relationship with Jesus. Powerless. Religious. Form of God. Yeah. Form of godliness. Denying the power. Come on. Each did as they saw fit. But there's a better way. There's a better way. It's his righteousness. Ruling and reigning in him. It's relationship with him. Everything comes out of relationship. Everything comes out of encounter with Jesus. Every one of these leaders from, from the garden to revelation, you know what changed their lives? They had an encounter. Listen, every single one of them had an encounter. Noah had an encounter. Adam and Eve, they walked with God. Abraham, man, my goodness. They all each had marking encounters with Jesus. Listen, God will mark you. And once he marks you, you'll never be the same. And you can never turn back. I mean, as we're singing that song this morning, I'm never going back. I mean, I, listen, I'm going gonna, gonna to lie. There's days where I'm asked that question. And I and someone, I'm like, man, do I even want to continue to go forward? And But then I remember. Then, then, then the Lord brings back remembrance. Oh, my gosh. There's nowhere else I can go. I, I have, listen, I've burned everything. I have nothing else to do. Except preach this gospel that's only, only, only requiring more of my life. Right? I'm caught in a divine tension that I cannot escape. That's called being a slave of righteousness. I'm a slave. I'm a bondservant. There's nothing else. I have no other job. There's nothing I can do except preach the gospel. And, and, see, you know, and see people delivered. See people set, set free. Come to know Jesus. There's days. Listen, guys. There's days I don't want to. But then the Lord reminds me, where else are you going to go? Who else has everlasting life? Who else, who else can bring you truth? Who else can really, listen, this is where it's all about. Who is the only one that can satisfy your soul? At the end of the day, there's only one that can satisfy me. And I have, you know, God will mark, he marks us with such a, a, a place of dissatisfaction. Listen, I am utterly dissatisfied. Utterly. Because God has marked us for more. He's marked us for more. And Gideon, in verse 11, says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which is an Oprah. This is an Oprah's on, like, like Shur. <laughs> which belonged to Joash, the Abizarite. I keep thinking of like a geezer when I think that name. I don't know why. While his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. That means that you're a person of courage. Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us. And delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. So God 
while, while God has delivered Israel into the hands of the Midianites, there's this son, there's this guy named Gideon. And, and he's just sitting under, under a tree and he's threshing wheat in a wine press. How many of you know you don't thresh wheat in a wine press? Wine is for the wine press. Any if you love wine, anybody like wine in here? Praise God for the wine drinkers. Some of you didn't raise your hand because you're in church. And you, and you. Thank you. Listen. God made wine. He made it. He also he also gives his spirit out. I mean, he compares wine to spirit. It's the same thing. And um and so so he's threshing wheat in a wine press. The wheat has to be threshed. It has to be beat. For the grains to come out. And you wonder why you and I. Have to be hard pressed on every side. You wonder why you're going through what you're going through. You wonder why it's just. They can't avoid the tension. It's because the tension is producing a grain. Inside of your life. It's producing truth. It's producing righteousness. That being in right standing with God. It's not religious. It's about being with him. But see, Gideon's in a culture where he grew up where fathers had, had, had didn't hold the line. How many of you in this room probably know you have some fathers and mothers that didn't hold the line for you, right? So you were born into uh, a lifestyle that probably wasn't beneficial. Probably um, you, you can put yourself in his, in his shoes. Maybe your mom... Maybe your mom was in drugs. Maybe your maybe your dad didn't love you. Maybe 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 they allowed some things into your life that you grew up in a lifestyle of unrighteousness and sin, right? No different than Gideon. Gideon just grew up within a nation that that had been besieged by by the enemy that God had allowed in so that they could realize who they really were. And so there's this guy named Gideon. We, he's threshing wheat in a wine press. And an angel of the Lord comes to him. We've been talking a lot about angels. We know the Bible says we're supposed to partner with angels. There's an innumerable company of angels around us. They're, they're actually called ministers of salvation. They actually go out. They perform with us. They walk with us. They, they're, uh, they, they're in everything. They're, angel means messenger. A messenger that goes before the Lord. Right? That brings, sometimes you have dreams at night. Many of you are dreamers. Guess what? Some of you are having dreams because there's an angel coming to you, giving you a dream. You're thinking, well, it's just a pizza. I no, it's actually a message from God. It's an angel. That's why, that's what they do. Right? They, but they also will appear in the natural. And some of them don't look like a little bitty baby with wings on. Some of them actually look like you. The Bible says, you never know. You might be entertaining an angel. Right? And so Gideon got to a place where he was entertaining an angel. And oh, by the way, the Bible says you each have a personal angel. Yeah, you do. It's in your Bible. And, and so this angel of the Lord comes to, uh, comes to him and, and, and he says this. Oh, Bobby, you mighty man of valor. Now, Gideon did not feel like a man of mighty. He didn't feel like a courageous man. Remember, he just before this, he's threshing wheat in a wine press. Why is he threshing wheat in a wine press? Because he's afraid for his life. He's afraid that people are going to they're going to come in and steal his stuff. But right after that, the Lord, an angel of the Lord comes in and says, "Oh, you mighty man of valor." Those two realities do not make sense, right? 
God never speaks in a, in, into us in something that makes sense. But God's calling him into something greater. He's calling him into this is your purpose. This is why I created you. This is, your, this is why I'm going to be to you what I want to be. I'm going to change your mind about who you really are. Because right now you don't really know. And that's okay because I'm going to bring you into the process. How many of you know God is a God of the process? He doesn't expect you to be righteous, holy, saved, delivered overnight. Hello. He, he, he brings us on a process. Some of you just need to slow down. Slow down. I'm preaching to myself now. So he says, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And he asks this question. Questions will change your life. Oh, my Lord. If the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? Now, religious spirit will tell you, well, you don't need to question God. But the father loves questions. Because that question is a tension in his life that he's known up to that moment. That's why the angel of the Lord's come to actually answer that question. Why are things so bad? Not only does he ask that, he says, where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about? Did not the Lord bring us from Egypt, but now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us in the hands of the Midianites? See, he says something. Something's not right. I can't put it all together. I don't have the understanding. But where are the miracles our fathers told us about? How do you apply that today? There's got to be more than Sunday church. Where are the miracles? Where's the purpose? Where are people? Where, where's the transformation? Where's the change? Where's the presence of God? Where's life? There's got to be more. Because this is not how it's supposed to be. Right? And I believe there, I believe God puts that in us, that tension in us. If you're a leader, I mean, I believe God calls us all to be leaders, but he gives us that drive, that, that question in there. And people that ask questions are hard to be around because you know what? They mess with your status quo. They mess with your status quo. It's never good enough. Because God always wants more. And we always want more of God. We always want, we know there's more righteousness. Right? And so he, he, he says, then the Lord turned to him and said this. Oh, I love this. Go in this might of yours. What might? I'm sure he's probably looking around like, what? I have nothing. Go in this mind of yours. You know, one of the seven, seven spirits of God is the spirit of might. It says there's seven spirits uh, that, that surround in, in, the, in heaven. And he's saying, go in this might, meaning that it's not yours. It's mine, but I'm giving it to you. It's yours for the taking. I'm going to anoint you. I'm going to be with you. Just like he told Moses, guys, it's no different. He told all of them, I'm going to be with you. To the ends of the earth, Acts 1.8, my spirit's going to come upon you, Judea, Jerusalem, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. I'm going to be with you. Go in this mind of yours. What are you waiting for? And, and have I not sent you sounds a lot like Isaiah. 
Sounds a lot like Jesus saying, as the Father sends me, so I send you. Come on. This is why we're here to be sent by God. To be commissioned. To have relationship with him. To answer that question. I remember this question drove me to Africa a few years ago. The question was why? And you know what? God answered my question. He answered it with an encounter. God always answers. Maybe not in the way you want him to answer, but he will answer your question. The deep desire of your heart, he'll answer it. And only the way that he can answer it to you. He's good like that. So it takes much more to ask God a good question than it is to get, get a good answer. A, a good question is better than an answer. Better than an answer from a man. Some of us, we look for answers with men. And listen, the answer isn't with men, it's with God. And we need a question that demands an encounter, that demands revelation, that demands change in our life. That brings righteousness into the earth. So he says, go in this might of yours. You shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Come on, what if, what if? What if you're saying yes to Jesus was actually so a nation could be saved in a day? What if you not saying yes is the very thing holding back people from being delivered? Come on, I'm serious. I mean, I, I, I realize Jesus is the ultimate deliverer, right? Like, but do you know why Jesus came? He came so you and I could be deliverers. He delivered us to the Father so that we, you know, so that now we're, we're called to deliver. We're called to deliver the good news. We're called to deliver the message. We're called to deliver the goods. We're called to deliver the storehouse from heaven. We're supposed to be a, a gate just swinging wide, saying swing wide, swing wide. Guess who's coming? Oh, my God's about to come. He's coming through me because he lives inside of me. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's a greater covenant than Gideon had. But keep going. So he said to him, Oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least of my father's house. He says, I am the, I, I'm unworthy. I'm the least of the least. And God's like saying, Yeah, you're qualified with me. I qualify you. Because ultimately, it's going to be about me getting the glory and not you. Guess what? God's going to get the glory in your weakness. Not in your strength. So you say, well, things just aren't panning out the right way for me. It's because God's moving and God's going to glorify himself in you. You say, well, I don't feel very strong right now. God's going to make his strength, his strength in your weakness. And he's going to boast in it. One more thing. After that, he goes, he prepares an offering actually for the angel. It's funny because the angel that he did, he actually sets it on fire with a staff. And um, because it was all about the sacrifice to the Lord, the angel came to, came to test his sacrifice, his offering, which went before the Lord. And, um, and that's what angels do. Um, and Gideon there, he built an altar and he said, the Lord is peace there. But you know that peace, what it, what it did? It didn't send him into peace. It sent him into war. It sent him into war and everything that was holding his family back, everything that was holding him back, 
God's, and then God specifically told him, I want you to tear down the altars in your father's house. You want to talk about some controversy. Start tearing down altars in your, in your, in your house. Hey, come on, some of you. Hello. I started tearing down some of mine in mine a few years ago. And, and then God started tearing down some altars in mine. Um, but God's calling us to tear down altars of, of idolatry in our house. And he even told them to cut down the wooden image of the Astra in there, the, the fertility goddess that they were worshiping. And, uh, and that started a fight. That started a battle. And then we're going to end here. There's a, there's a story in here. And, um, and it talks about the Lord literally came down and he put Gideon on. <laughs> I, I can't fathom this. God, God specifically came down and he put him on. Like, like you guys put some clothes on before you came to church this morning, right? Yes. <laughs> Literally, that's, that's what the, the Hebrew, it really means, is that God put him on. He wore him like a t-shirt. And then he began to, um, he began to destroy, he began to... Um, go after the go after the army, <clears throat> and and I you know I'm going to end here, but I really feel like there's you know God's raising up some Rachel. You want to come help me out here? I really feel like the Lord just wants to encourage us that this morning that He's called us to be deliverers. Um, he's called us into 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 this place in Him to know Him to. To walk with him, to worship him, to um, to be in right standing with him, to be righteous before him, and it's not just so much about your life. It's it's about it's everything. It's for it's for everyone around you. It's for you. It's it's for utterly. You were born so you could be righteous. You are you are you are in him. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And once you invite, um, once you invite that in your life changes everything and you know this is a process sanctification is a process setting up being set apart is a process being consecrated to the lord is a process but we have to start somewhere right and i don't know where some of you are um listen i'm on that i i am i'm in this process right now i'm being consecrated i'm being set apart in, in new ways and um and it's not always easy but it is good and it is well with my soul to be set apart for the Lord. And somewhere in this process, guys, we're, 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 we're here. We're becoming sons and daughters of God. We're becoming um, royal priesthood, a chosen generation. And I believe the Lord would say to us, he's put deep desires in our heart to ask a deep question. So this morning, just if you bow your head, I just want to pray for you that the Lord would just reveal to you, you know, maybe he's put something in your heart as far as a question, but I believe he's put this question, where, where, where are the promises? Where are the miracles? Where's the life? Where's the truth? Father, I ask that you just reveal to us this morning. Father, that we would know that we are 
called to you. We're called to be rooted and grounded in you. We're called to we're called to greatness. We're called to be deliverers. We're called to be Gideons. We're called to be Deborahs. Father, you are the ultimate deliverer. Jesus, you came to deliver us. You came to destroy the works of the devil. You came to give us life and life abundantly. Father, I thank you for life. 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 As we were in worship this morning, I just felt the Lord just want to just encourage Rocky, you and Sue. But the Lord said, there's deep, deep peace. There's like a, it's a vacation. It's just a, a deep rest coming on you both. So like that, that word for laying down your staff, laying down your rod so the Lord can anoint it. It's, uh, you're in that season. But there's a great promise for you and the promise still remains in this city. There's still a promise that looks different, but there's still a promise. There's great rest, great rest coming upon you both. The blessing of the Lord just, just catching your, just see both of you catching your breath. This time of, it's a time of rest. It's a time of letting go, but it's a time of the Lord's doing something special in your marriage and a time of being repositioned to be realigned for the vision he's given you both to walk it out to change the direction change some perspective thank you Lord thank you for the blueprints God but thank you so much Lord for just enjoy the season just the joy of the Lord is going to be your strength just feel like the Lord said I'm going to re-fan the flame fan the fire. Amen. Um, this weekend, I was at a women's retreat, and just when he was sharing on Gideon, it reminded me a little bit of this. Um, so first of all, how many of you know that the enemy knows your name, but he calls you by your sin? He likes to accuse you, bring judgment on you, bring condemnation, remind you of your mistakes. And yet the Lord knows your sins, knows your mistakes, but he calls you by name. So when he's speaking to Gideon, he says, you mighty man of valor. And here was Gideon hiding out. I'm the weakest. I'm the smallest. <laughs> you know, believing the lies of the enemy about himself. Uh, the Lord's still saying, no, I call you by name. I call you mighty man of valor. That's who I created you to be. And that's what I'm going to call you, regardless of what you're doing in this very moment. And one of the teachings we had this weekend at the retreat was... Um, some of you know Dorothea, she was um, incredible, incredible woman, incredible message. And one of the things that she said was, um, I think the example was like the Lord told her, I, I want you to write. I've called you to be an author. And she's like, Pfft. oh, he called, he called her an author. And she said, Lord, I'm not an author. I've never written anything. I call you an author, but I've never written anything. And he says, Dorothea, what do you call an apple tree that has never born an apple yet? Who hasn't born an apple yet? An apple tree? <laughs> Just because it has not born apples yet, this isn't making any less of an apple tree. It's still an apple tree. What do you call an apple tree that, you know, something happened to it and it died and it never got a chance to reproduce apples? An apple tree. <laughs> so all that to encourage you that the Lord calls you by name. He 
calls you mighty, he calls you whatever it is that he calls you, a righteous woman, uh, whatever it is. You are an apple tree, even if you have not born apples. <laughs> you will, because that's what he created you to do. So I hope that blesses and encourages you. Yeah. Okay, well, Father, we just thank you for your presence this morning. We thank you for uh, coming to remind us, remind us of who you are and who you called us to be. Thank you for Jesus, our deliverer. We praise you, Jesus. We love you. And we thank you that you braced us up to do the same things and greater than that you call us deliverers. You call us to bring forth the good news of the gospel, to um, raise up more deliverers, to bring people out of bondage and into freedom. I thank you, Lord, that when the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And you are here, you're in our midst right now, and you're here to bring freedom to us. Different places in our lives where there's bondage, Lord, you've come to bring freedom. You've come to share your love with us. Just pour out your love, and it's your kindness that leads us to repentance and ultimately brings us into the freedom that we so desire. So, Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for the people that are here. We bless them all in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about our community, please visit our website at eastgatetx.org.